Hey, Philly. We need 100 people to fill out our quick listener survey. It's easy and fun and really about making our show even better and more useful for you. It's all multiple choice and it won't take more than five minutes. I know because I timed it. (laughs) Plus, anyone who takes the survey will be eligible to win a $250 Visa gift card. Visit citycast.fm slash survey. Again, that's citycast.fm slash survey. Okay, here's the show. Today on CityCast Philly. A few years back, the Philadelphia Police Department rolled out a new initiative. It's called the Police Assisted Diversion Program. When cops are called to a scene, they refer people to social services instead of jail. And this summer, the department wants to expand and bring it to the entire city. It's Wednesday, June 7th. I'm Trina Nuri, and here's what Philly's talking about. Christina Griffith, contributing editor at the Philadelphia Citizen, you recently wrote about Philly's police assistant diversion program, which is an alternative to locking people up. Tell us why we needed a program like this. Well, a lot of diversion programs uh, that most people know about are ones that occur after you've you've been arrested, you've been arraigned, court hearings, bail. You may or may not have gotten an attorney. You've met the district attorney, and at that point. The judge or your attorneys might decide, okay, at this point, we think that your record warrants you a shot at something different. What the Police Assisted Diversion Program does, or PAD, is bypasses all of that. This is an opportunity for an officer on the street to assess someone's needs right there at that moment. Mm -hmm. It requires an acknowledgement, I think, (laughs) that the criminal justice system does not always serve everyone in the best way, and it doesn't provide all the best solutions. I interviewed Kurt August uh, at the Office of Criminal Justice for this. He's kind of the the driving force behind the program. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that he said was, these aren't criminal masterminds. These are people acting out of desperation. What happens on the scene at someone's shoplifted, uh, someone's caught doing a hand-to-hand drug transaction or, or, or caught, you know, a possession charge, they're very specific violations of infractions that are allowed. Most of them don't involve like like violence towards a victim or anything like that. The person that they encounter can't have an active warrant, obviously, or else they would have to take them in. I'm curious though, because like you said, like if a, if a cop gets called to a scene, sometimes it's a really stressful situation. Yes. So how do those pad officers assess if folks, you know, need a, you know, a resource instead of being like handcuffed? That's a lot of a combination of standard police officer training, but also training for this program goes into that. Someone can't be diverted to social services at that point if they're dangerous, for example, uh, or if they're unsafe, uh, if they're unable to to handle processing paperwork at that particular time, depending on if they're, you know, they may be heavily intoxicated. So they have to consider the safety of the person they're going to be handing them off to. And when I say handing them off, the key to this program is that It's not just an officer saying, okay, you shoplifted at CVS, but you're a mom and you don't have any active warrants. And 
I think that we can get you social services instead and not have to put you through booking and court today and all of that. They're not getting a business card. They are physically taking this person to a caseworker, to a social services provider. It's the warm handoff. That's the key to making this work. And officers, that's one of the reasons why they do have to evaluate for the safety of the individual they're talking to. The most sympathetic scenario is, uh, I think I wrote about Crystal, who has been through the PAD program. And it's it's a mom who showed up at the supermarket and couldn't afford to buy those groceries. And rather than, I mean, if you think about it, her kids are at home. When the cops show up, you're going to get in the back of a car, you're going to go to the station. It may be a few hours, it may be a day before you get back on on back home, before you get back on the street again. So for someone who's got a family at home or a caregiver, that can be, I mean, it's devastating for anybody, but in her situation, it could have been especially tragic. When someone does get diverted to a social service program, are they surprised that they didn't get locked up? Like, what's the reaction? What was Crystal's reaction? She had no idea this program existed. She had no idea what was going on. She was shocked. She said, I, I've never seen this before. One, one of the things that the officers in her case do, and, and this is something that they are permitted to do, like the person shoplifting at CVS, they'll buy them the thing they wanted to get. They'll buy them the laundry detergent. They'll buy them the toothbrush. They bought Crystal's family her groceries and then proceed to connect her to the necessary services. In the districts where the program is operating, it's pretty much known in the community now that this is a thing. And now that PAD is expanding throughout the city, um, they're going to want to make people aware that this program exists. I mean, being surprised with, oh, I'm not getting arrested today is great. But it's also important for people to know about the program because social referrals are also an element of it. And that's where instead of you getting caught in the moment, and then having that conversation with an officer and then going that way, someone who knows you can approach the police and say, I have a friend who's in trouble and I'd like to connect them to social services, but I, I, I can't get them to go to Prevention Point. I can't get them to go to this office or what have you. Um, and so these PAD officers are trained to kind of step in. Yes. A, a lot of them have prior work in social services. Christina, who can, who can actually be helped by this program? Who qualifies? Okay, so yeah, shoplifting, uh, sex workers, hand-to-hand drug transactions, drug possession. Yeah, so I, I think that's it. There might be some more stuff on the horizon, but if there's not another victim involved that really needs to be consulted. So for example, the city of Albany, New York has a similar program. Theirs includes car theft. Interesting. Yeah. So here, here's the issue with that. Because that's a there's a victim in yes. that. Yeah. So you get busted with a stolen car. You go to the station. They have to contact the vehicle owner. We've recovered your vehicle. Oh, by the way, there's this program. This person doesn't have any active warrants. We think they're the right candidate for this program, and you have to get their buy-in for that. Because you, if the car owner was like, no, <laughs> like, um, so that could take. A day. That could take an entire day. And when they were designing this program and looking at other cities that have already implemented a similar program, they're called LEAD in a lot of other cities, Law Enforcement Assisted Diversion. They looked at other offenses. And because of the the type of drug problem that Philadelphia has, in that there's a lot of toxicity, 
there's a lot of hard addiction that can result in you've got someone sitting in your station for eight hours. They're going to start going into withdrawal and then you have a whole other situation on your hands. They wanted to avoid that. Their goal is to get somebody from the point where they encountered them into service workers, chair, office, person, conversation, whatever they have to do. That's a 45-minute timeline that they're trying to, to keep to in order to make sure the person that they're helping doesn't have other issues that prevent them from even getting to that step. And in, and once you go through the program, you can you can only go through it twice and then you're like basically your eligibility runs out. Yeah, there is there is a limit and that is it is twice. Interesting. Yeah. And I I think accountability is where that comes in. If you have somebody that you send to 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 the services that they need, whether it's addiction services or or, or food assistance or or housing assistance, whatever it is that you get them to, you know, and, and they come back a second time weeks later, months later, things happen. Maybe they got on a waiting list. Maybe they didn't actually get that shelter. Maybe they fell off when they were going through rehab. I mean, these things happen. But once it happens twice, at that point, we are talking about law enforcement. They have the community to think about. Going back to Crystal's story, when she met the pad officers at the grocery store, what's been the response from businesses? Are they involved in this program in any way? Yeah. So when they were rolling out the program initially in uh, December of 2017 is when they got kind of officially started. So throughout 2018, they were still filling things out. So when they they first went out to businesses in the district that they first started operating in, uh, in Kensington, it's the 24th district, they did approach them and, and let them know this program is in existence. They reached out to a lot of businesses, in particular, like the CVSs are a big target for shoplifting and basically told them this is what we're going to be doing. It's not asking a whole lot of them. It was asking a lot of trust because telling businesses, we're not necessarily going to be arresting everybody who shoplifts from you. That's a heavy ask on its face. For sure. So they did have to make sure that businesses, you know, and the community in general understand that there is accountability in this program. We're helping people who can be helped. Not everybody can be helped, but they're certainly going to try. Christina, what do we know about whether this program works? In Philadelphia, it seems to be working. In the districts where it has been implemented so far, as of 2022, um, we haven't gotten the numbers for 2023 yet, PAD referrals have a recidivism rate of 8.5%. So 8.5% of the people who get into the program wind up going back and, and committing another crime later. That is in contrast to almost 65% for the entire state of Pennsylvania, which is pretty good. I think one of the reasons it's successful is because of the type of people they're trying to assist and the types of crimes they're targeting. But as far as as far as other impacts, there's not been a long-term study yet for Philadelphia, but there was a study that looked at our program that came out earlier this year at how it was implemented. And like so far, it does seem to be having positive effects, again, in the communities that it's operating in. But other cities that have implemented these programs uh, have seen drastic drops in their own recidivism rates for these kinds of crimes. But also 
the people who go through the program are more likely to get housed and get jobs. And the communities that these programs are taking place in are seeing drops in crime or seeing a, a rise in, in quality of life. Does our city law enforcement see this program as a way to mend relationships with the community? Um, you know, because there's that reality, right? You know, I've spoken with uh, Mensa Dean, who is one of the reporters at The Trace. They cover a lot of uh, gun violence reporting. And, you know, some community members say, hey, we like to see more police officers on the streets and, you know, making sure things are okay. Some folks feel like their community is over-policed, right? So seeing these pad officers or from a law, law enforcement's perspective, like, do they do they see this as possible ways to mend relationships? Like, listen, we're I'm not here to arrest you, but I am here to, you know, help you in a different way. Yes. <laughs> so the um, officer, uh, Helena McGinn, is the officer that I, I interviewed. She is a, a dedicated pad officer. And one of the things that she said was a lot of her early experience in, in the pad unit was just going out and introducing herself to people in the community as, hi, I'm a police officer. I'm here to help. So the pad officers themselves are working to communicate that, you know, we're police officers. We can help. We have these connections to services. You know, we're, we're not just here to, you know, to show up when something goes wrong. So... This summer, the police department will expand the program yep. from North Philly to the entire city. Is the city set up to handle this expansion? Yes and no. <laughs> uh, so first, on the department side, how they expand depends a lot on staffing. Right, and that's been a big problem for the department for a while. Yes. Yeah. So they, they're going to have to make sure they have enough staff to have officers dedicated to PAD uh, and also expand those hours. PAD has hours because providers are not available 24-7. So they're going to try to increase the number of police officers available in those hours for diversion. Whether or not there are service providers available to meet that need, though, that's not really under their control. And again, this is a problem that every city with a police-assisted diversion program has to deal with, and that's having enough service providers to meet the needs for the people that the police officers encounter. So long as the resources are there, it's going to make a difference. That's the other key uh, to this program. You're referring people to social services. You're referring people to rehab programs. You're referring people to housing. There has to be housing programs and rehabilitation programs uh, and, and social services opportunities for people to go to, to be referred to, to be signed up with. Uh, and the biggest hurdle for any of these programs is enough resources that law enforcement can hand someone to. Um, without those resources, they don't have anyone to hand them to, and these programs don't work. Does the future of the program also wait on the new mayoral administration that we will soon have in the coming months? Yes, this is actually something that we talked about at the department when I was uh, when I was interviewing the officers. It took them some time to get the buy-in of the districts that the program was first introduced into, uh, and then the other districts that it moved into across North Philadelphia. And then 
you have funding. So they're getting grants, they're in the city budget. But now that they want to expand, there's got to be, you know, at least one pad officer, you know, in every district. Ensuring that the program is supported by the city in the future uh, is something that the next administration uh, obviously is going to have an impact on. Uh, so getting their buy-in as well uh, is something that uh, that they're hoping to do uh, and that the positive impacts they've seen already, you know, and the fact that they've been able to succeed to a point where they can expand it. Uh, hopefully that'll um, contribute to that argument that it does continue, that it does need to be supported. All right, Christina Griffith, contributing editor for the Philadelphia Citizen. Thank you for breaking this all down and for joining me on CityCast Philly. Thank you. Thank you. It was great to be here. To read Christina's full story, check out the link in our show notes. And here's what else Philly's talking about. For a second year, some Pennsylvania residents can get a free air conditioner this summer. According to WHYY, anyone who already received assistance through the Low Income Home Energy Assistance Program, or LAHEAP, in the past year can get a new AC unit. And households can also get current central air conditioning systems fixed as well. You can apply in person at a neighborhood energy center. We'll have a link in our show notes. And Center City District SIPS is back. It kicks off tonight from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. This is sort of like a city tradition, an ultimate happy hour. Every Wednesday through August 30th, folks can enjoy food and drinks at outdoor beer gardens, bars, and restaurants. And after 7 p.m., there's some locations that offer 15% off of dinner. For a list of places participating in SIPS, check out the link in our show notes. That's all for today here on CityCast Philly. If you enjoyed this episode, share with someone you know, rate the show, leave us a review, and hit that subscribe button. Be sure to sign up for our morning newsletter too. It's called Hey Philly. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Bye.